This is Envision Self-Healing Podcast, episode number 51. creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com and are dedicated in helping you improve your eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. Now if you haven't taken advantage already, check out the free ebook called A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight on our website and you've got 10 top tips there on how you can improve your eyesight in our modern day world. The topic of the week this week is, are you eating horse meat? <laughs> and in the question of the week, uh, we have this from several sources that ask, should you close your eyes during the sunning eye exercise? So Richard, how's the world of self-healing been treating you this week? Well, uh, my back has finally stopped hurting. Fantastic. It's, we can stop talking about it uh, yeah, a lot now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really <laughs> my back. We'll call it my back for the... Uh, Good, yeah. for, for, but I wanted to share um, something, sort of a, a way of approaching posture that I learned from my trainer, Gustavo, mm -hmm. that was very useful to me and has uh, relevance in terms of... Uh, increasing uh, the alignment people have in their posture, uh, which will help any kind of eye condition that involves circulation, which is a lot of eye conditions. Certainly like myopia probably would not be in that category, but anything like glaucoma, macular degeneration, all of those sort of more serious conditions all have some root in poor circulation. Mm -hmm. And obviously my condition of optic atrophy so the, the, the idea that he presented to me that I think I kind of knew, but it, it was a good way of uh, thinking about posture. And his, his presentation is, uh, you want to uh, put yourself under tension. So like the tension of lifting a weight, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, any kind of, or a squat or any kind of... Um, Not emotional tension. He's, well, no, yeah, yeah. He's no, not going to tell you you've got to do a, a 600 push-ups in under a minute, otherwise he's going to kick you out in the street or something. No, exactly. It's not emotional <laughs> tension. So when he says under tension, he means lifting a weight. Okay. Right. Uh, so the, the goal is if you can be under tension, the reason, I'll, it'll become clear why I use the word tension. Mm -hmm. If you're under tension in good posture, that that will sort of cement good posture. Okay. And actually, the reverse is also true, and this is how it applies to us as well. If you're under tension at your job, if you're in a you know in front of a computer with your shoulders up and your arms tight and your your back in a wrong place in a, in a, in a poor alignment, mm -hmm. and you're under stress, mm -hmm. that also will cement that poor posture. Mm -hmm. So it's it's basically saying, I mean, there's an old uh, expression of. Uh, uh, form follows function, okay. sort of that as well. And what you're saying is, okay, what, whatever, you, whatever posture you assume under stress, under tension, is what, you're gonna, what your normal posture is going to uh, become. Okay. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's interesting because I, I always uh, find that, I guess in, in particular with um, eye exercise, with uh, obstructing, I always obstruct my stronger eye when I'm, say, using the computer. Mm -hmm. um, so that I can exercise the weaker eye. Right. But I notice once I'm under tension, the obstruction glasses come off and it's, you revert. Yeah, you know, I just completely just go back to it. And I guess uh, I guess being under that tension is is a sign of I guess where you are. Well, and he would say that in taking this process, this concept back into eye exercises is so if you take those glasses off and revert to you know moving your shoulders up, 
you're basically you're creating the momentum mm -hmm. for that posture to make, continue throughout your whole life through all, through all your your hours of the day mm -hmm. you're going to be maintaining that poor posture so it's it's but the positive aspect of this is if you can do weightlifting in a proper posture and this is this was my experience every time i worked with him and it's like, wow, I felt like I was really tall. My posture was really, really good mm -hmm. from lifting weights un in, in the proper posture. Okay. So um, you do have to have the flexibility in the muscles um, to allow you to, to assume that posture. So if you're way, way, way tight, say in the chest muscles uh, and, your, okay. and your shoulders are coming forward, mm -hmm. you have to have the flexibility in those muscles to be able to, to assume the proper posture. That so that's sense. where massage or, or self-massage comes mm -hmm. in for those muscles. Mm -hmm. So let's assume then you've dealt with any tight muscles that are uh, too tight to assume the proper posture. I think that's the first step. Then you need to have the strength in the core muscles to hold that posture. So mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to approach, um, okay, I, I, if I, if you just have done no work on your body and say all I have to do is go do bench presses or uh, deadlifts or something with good posture, that's better than nothing. But really you need to develop the core muscles so you can have the strength to hold that good posture. Mm. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So it's a good, good three-step process of loosening the muscles to allow the flexibility to assume the posture, then develop the core muscles. So these are transverse mm. abdominis the glutes to a certain degree. Sounds like we should make this a topic. I know. It's, <laughs> it's like, okay, this is sort of blossoming in my head. So anyway, all right. So anyway, that's what I did, the whole idea. And it's really worked for me. It's nice. like my posture is starting to come into form mm -hmm. in a way that it's never done before. Um, and the one last thing I'll say that he shared that's an interesting way of looking at posture. He And he was in the Marine Corps when he was young. Okay. And he said, well, if, if you can take kids, uh, basically 18-year-olds with very poor posture, throw them into the Marine Corps, and in six weeks they have good posture, what does that say about how difficult it is yeah. to actually do it? Mm -hmm. It's not as difficult as we may, you know, granted these kids are being yelled at night and day, so maybe that's maybe not what we want to do, yeah. but... Uh, maybe, maybe people should employ us to walk around offices, um, <laughs> kind of a bit Zen style with a... Yeah, with us whack with them on the back. Zen stick and yeah. straighten that back. Straighten that back. So, but it proves that you could, if you really put your mind to it, do it in, mm. in a fairly short order. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that's my, ex my uh, experience with posture this week. Nice, yeah, I can yeah. definitely see how that would improve blood flow. Yes. And how was your week? Good. Um, many... Uh, many observations this week. In fact, I was counting four or five that I wanted to share today. Um, but obviously, time is of the essence a little yeah. bit on that one, so I yeah. might have to uh, yeah. save, save a couple of them for the coaching call. Yes. Maybe. So I guess uh, I guess the main one then uh, would be that I, I started up uh, yoga again uh, ah. this week for the first time in, in maybe two years ah. now. And, um, and I did Bikram yoga which oh, is the hot uh, yoga right hot yoga hot yoga and um <laughs> are the people hot <laughs> on the yoga? <laughs> yeah. hot yoga uh, hot yeah so um yeah i went to go in i said is this hot yoga and they said sorry you're not hot enough you're yeah yeah oh you're definitely <laughs> hot enough, hot yoga. so uh yeah it was it's it took a while um mm -hmm. 
to, to it took maybe several weeks um, to, to build myself up to actually there was always something um, oh right we can explain to people who don't know what hot yoga is though right uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm assuming about a large percentage of our, our portion. Uh, I live in San Francisco. That's true. Yeah. So uh, Bikram Yoga or Hot Yoga is is where they make the room hot. Yeah, pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we explained that one. <laughs> yeah, we might have been very confusing in the uh, uh, Yeah, so they had a. Uh, oh, essentially, it was different to what I thought. They had a, like a little steam machine at the back uh, of the room, okay. um, and it, it sent some uh, sent some steam out, and uh, which which made the room hot. Uh, yeah. Plus, there's like. 40 people in the room yeah. doing uh, yoga and, and it's a yoga studio so uh, they have maybe you know six or seven classes a day oh so, uh, <laughs> not all at once um so in the, in the class is an hour and a half wow so you certainly yeah you get warm mm. uh, shall we say so well uh, yeah finally yeah, i built myself up to do it and again i'm, I'm doing it for circulation mm -hmm. um reasons to get more blood flow to my eyes because uh, mm. i certainly notice improvements and just on theory, it just makes sense to have better blood flow to the eyes, especially you know to keep the eyes nice and healthy and, and get those cells there, get a nice enrichment of blood. So uh, yes, yeah, so I've been waiting a while to go to yoga, and uh, it was fantastic. Great, um, I really enjoyed it. It was the f I'm used to classes where there's sort of more engagement. Um, and being a coach myself, I'm very used to that, that interpersonal oh, relationship, yeah. going yeah. around help, helping uh, people with their style and, and whatnot and, and give individual, you know, as, as teaching, when I train as a teacher and, and as a teacher, it's all about giving, you know, identifying individuals, give them something positive, give them something negative, you know, give them something to work on. But this approach was just a yoga uh, instructor on a stand um, and she wasn't doing the yoga. Really? She yeah. she was. But what was so fantastic? It wasn't. It wasn't like she said. Now stand on one leg. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> now stand on the other. Like it, she was very uh, motivating, very right. encouraging, um, and she still managed to give tips. She still managed to correct people's techniques, but to the whole class, oh. and and not just the individual. But of course, what that meant as a beginner that I was trying to do all this. She's like, okay, now stand on one leg, right knee back, hip up, uh, neck up, straight back. <laughs> right, right, right. So and I would just, you know, fall over. Um, but one thing that was great for me is that I noticed my balance was better. Oh, and yeah. we, Richard and I have discussed this before because we were, we were trying to figure out, um, because I have retinitis pigmentosa, and uh, even though my periphery is, is greatly improving, you know, we were discussing whether that lack of periphery could affect balance. Yeah. Um, and it, it pretty much makes sense. I guess this, this came around because you get your sense of balance from straight lines um, in a room and then you're sort of your brain knows you know, where you are in space. So, you know, if you don't have that, if all I've got is seeing in front of me, then I'm not able to necessarily um, locate where I am. So when I right. stand on one leg, you know, I, it meant that I fell over a lot easier. And um, so, but one thing this yoga studio had, it was at night, it was uh, seven, eight o'clock at night, and um, it was dark. It was kind of funny, really, when I first got in there, all the lights were off, and I thought, oh no, this is going to be a yoga, <laughs> a yoga class in the dark, and uh, having night blindness. Um, oh! I, could only, I just thought, this is just this is the, the worst <laughs> this possible is just what like. yeah. uh, But I thought it'd make a good podcast. It would. Um, so, anyway, I, I dealt with that uh, well. I didn't stand on anyone on the way into the room, and I was sort of ushered to the middle at the back so but when the lights came on and this is i wish i could have taken a picture but i probably would have got kicked out for taking a picture of a, 
a bunch of people in yeah. hot, hot people in a young room. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I could try and describe it as best as possible. It it was uh, has two beams um, running down, okay. you know, sort of supporting beams. Ceiling, yeah. yeah. So you you'd have a room. Let's say there was three compartments. Right. Um, and then dividing at the far. The first compartment and the third and the third compartment would be these beams running down. Anyway, they had lights in the ceiling, but running down those beams along the ceiling were uh, lights, not Christmas lights, but you know, um, oh, oh, it's like right. tube, plastic Rope, tube, rope lights. Yeah, well, they would maybe have that sign. Yep. Anyway, they were they were quite bright. I think they were also blue, quite a funky uh, color. Right. And this is San Francisco, right? Right. So, um, and the, the ceiling was also painted in sky. Anyway, I was right in the middle uh, of all of this, so I had direct, I had a whole string of light wow. in the ceiling running down my left peripheral vision and my right peripheral vision, and where I've been working so hard on my periphery, I've been able to gain access to that part of my peripheral vision, and because it was in two straight lines, when I was doing the balancing exercises, like standing on one leg and, you know, like the tree position, I was a, I had to focus a lot, but I was able to focus on those two lights, mm -hmm. and I was able to keep my balance better than yeah. I ever had done wow. before. So I, I was just amazed. Wow, um, I was so fortunate to have those lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it also showed me uh, the improvements that I've gained over the two years before. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. I talked about walking along the bridge mm -hmm. and the Golden Gate Bridge, and how I noticed that I could see a bit more traffic right at that time, and that how instead of necessarily having you know go having a peripheral field test and them telling me whether I've improved or not I like having these random occurrences that show that you're moving in the right direction right so for me that was a real big thing um, and I guess even better is that I woke up this morning and I didn't feel like I was going to keel over um, <laughs> and I think even even bigger for me was when I was doing the exercises I wasn't pushing myself Mm -hmm. to the extreme and I actually I think I was probably the only person with a smile on my face um, right. in, in the room I, I, was, I felt very laid back about it all nah. I think from where we've been working so hard and trying to encourage people to do the exercises but to do it in a more light hearted way yeah. ironically yoga classes these days can get competitive yeah. so that's the problem Yeah. Um, so no I, re I really enjoyed that I had a, a more positive relaxed attitude mm -hmm. Um, when I was doing the balancing and the exercises, it was a lot easier because I had gained access in that periphery uh, and it, the whole class wasn't in pitch black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> so that's I could good. actually see what people were doing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to be checking out again uh, for a while, so I'll let you know, uh, let yeah. everyone know how I get on with that and the improvements. Uh, and I did certainly notice an, um, more access in my periphery at the end Yeah. Um, afterwards, so really enjoyable. Good. Okay, great. Well, it's a good time to move on to Topic of the Week. And the Topic of the Week this week is, are you eating horse meat? It's <laughs> <laughs> very difficult to say with a, with a serious face. Yeah. And, and it's kind of really sad that this, this, we even have this topic yeah. Uh, yeah. this week. And it, it is a little bit different um, from what we normally talk about, but we have talked a lot about nutrition before and how important it is. And we're not saying that horse meat isn't nutritionist, um, but, what, but what, what this has come about from is uh, in, the, in the news this week, uh, it, um, the UK, their government department, their food health department, 
has discovered that um, lots of sort of uh, beef products that are meant to be beef in particular, sort of value meals uh, or quick, quick microwavable meals, maybe dinner meals you might call it, um, that are meant to be beef, they actually found horse meat. Right, right. When, uh, and the, the statistic was that they found it more than 1%. And under 1% they don't consider significant, which is interesting <laughs> in itself. Yeah. That uh, well, I still can't figure out why there would be even less than 1% if your whole factory is designed around Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think of is just like when you get products that say this main contain nuts. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing I can think of. Um, but what it is that they were, they were testing the DNA then of all this food. Even that in itself scared me, the fact that we're now in a situation where we're having to DNA test our food right. to find out the location of it is enough for me to just be like, hold yeah. on a second, yeah. you know, what, what's, what's going on here? Um, but they, they tested, um, so now that in the UK they're doing this big test on all these foods, uh, all these uh, meat products in all the industries. So uh, big supermarkets like Tesco's, which is the equivalent of maybe American uh, Walmart or you know, Safeway, and uh, they found that in their, in their, in their ready meals uh, that they found traces uh, of this horse meat over 1%, which was enough to report. Uh, and then they found it in Ikea, uh, in the meatballs. In the meatballs it was yeah. kind of funny because I was in Ikea a, f a few weeks ago and uh, the person I was with said, oh, we should go check out their food. Um, because I've heard that they have a really good canteen. Yeah, they So I, I kind of laughed and I, I went up there and um, I love the meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I definitely, and whilst we were there in the queue, my friends just said, you're going to get the meatballs, because that was the, the deal that they had. And I jokingly at the time said, oh, no. no, because you don't know where it's come from. Oh, no. And you could only imagine, it was like, I don't know, two, three dollars. Um, how is that going to be quality meat? Yeah. You know, if, if, I, if I break an Ikea bookshelf mm -hmm. within an hour of buying it, <laughs> and trying to put it together. What's the quality of their meat going? <laughs> like really? Um, so they found it in that, and then, uh, and then more recently they found four main products. Uh, one of which was Taco Bell right. that they found horse meat in their beef. So yeah. we we really felt that this this was a good opportunity um, to talk about this and uh, and have a sort of bit of an open forum, shall we say, on this topic. And uh, by no means are we saying that the whole meat industry. Well, the whole beef industry is uh, is has got horse horse meat, meat. but I think it, it's a real interesting topic to talk about, especially as I kind of feel we're lucky that the the, the British media have picked up on it. Mm -hmm. I'm not too sure whether they would even have run these tests. Yeah. Uh, in America, um, probably because to avoid any yeah. controversy. Yeah. Um, and maybe the people that are in charge of uh, initiating these uh, investigations of probably work at these companies anyway, right? Uh, or have worked there or, or used to be an executive or something. So I can't necessarily see it happening here, but I think it really opens up the door a little bit more on the topic of, you know, what what is in our food? Right. Um, and what is it that we're actually consuming? Right. And I think uh, what I was saying there before about being in Ikea and, and with the meatballs is that I said, you don't know where this has come from. And I guess this is a big part of why I have cut down on eating meat and I don't eat it as much. And you're sort of going through a similar thing right now. Right, right. Um, a while back I did a, a Gerson training and that mm -hmm. was one of their points as well. They weren't necessarily absolutely opposed to eating some meat, mm -hmm. but their point was in the modern era it's become so polluted with hormones and 
non-organic grains and things mm -hmm. like that, that it's, it's, an, it's an area that they're just say just don't do it because it's so suspect, mm -hmm. is kind of what you're saying. So that's what the Gerson people were saying. And then recently I was, uh, just happened to watch a, a video called Veducated, mm -hmm. which is a, a woman who takes three New Yorkers, Manhattanites, and puts them on a vegan diet. It's, sort of, it's a fun story of them. And part of the, part of the uh, documentary, they take them to uh, small farms and things like that mm -hmm. to show them the state of the food industry, the meat industry. Oh, uh, okay. Not necessarily the organic side of it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. but let's see. Okay, so they, they, they don't even go to the big factory farms. I think they, oh, mm -hmm. they show them a film a bit of factory farms. Okay. And they don't show that in this documentary because it's too grueling, you know, to show people. <laughs> so, um, the, thi oh, well, the thing that was really unusual about this movie is that I had the impression that uh, there were factory farms, but if I bought grass-fed or... Uh, you know, family farms, things like that, that it was cool, you know, that everything was good at that level. Mm -hmm. What this movie got through to me, well, two things was, um, number one, I saw treatment of animals, uh, even at these really kind of family farming, kind of what we think okay. of as sugar-coated uh -huh. farming, you know? So even grass-fed. Yeah, um, small farms. Farmer Joes. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, stereotyping that. Um, but they do stick those stereotype pictures on the front of right. of all these meat. Next time you go in uh, the supermarket, you have have a look at their meat section, and you'll see that it is um, farm fresh. You know, it's all these right. farmer Joe this, and where they actually come from is more of a factory. Well, and what this movie emphasized to me, well, the, was the moral thing. I finally kind of get if you see just a few images, and these were very tame images, the way animals are treated. Mm -hmm. It's hard to justify morally what what are done to animals. And I know mm -hmm. that's sort of a controversial issue, but it, it put the question back in my mind, do I want to be doing mm -hmm. this? Uh, so that was the moral. And I guess I'd be, I kind of dismissed the whole moral question and really looked at it only from a health question. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things it did, did for me. Okay. So I'm still thinking about that. Uh -huh. uh, the second thing was that a very good point it made that economically the factory farms are putting pressure on the family farms, even the organic farms, right. to produce cheaper product. Mm -hmm. And what the, it's forcing these smaller farmers to do is to adopt somewhere in between factory farming and what we right. think of as nice farming. Mm -hmm. So they're still, you know, the chickens are too close, still closer than they should be. You know, the, they may only let beef out to grass feed for a mm -hmm. few weeks as opposed to their whole lives. They, they're starting to cut back, you know, keep raising things under heat lamps. Uh, apparently cattle are raised under heat lamps mm -hmm. for a certain... To get a suntan? No, to have them better. grow faster. It's oh, kind of bizarre, right? <laughs> you put a, a baby calf under a lamp and it, and it grows faster. Then you wow. can put it out in the field instead of putting it out in the field right away. Huh. Things like that, they, make, mm -hmm. they start compromising because they're under such economic pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, it, farms. and it, I think it really spreads also, we're talking about heat, meat here, but it's the same as the grain industry, they're under the same pressure with genetically modified yeah. um, grain, is that, you know, they're, they're, they're being bullied out of the market almost, Right. Um, and there was even that guy that he wanted organic grain, and um, he, Monsanto, which is the big grain, grain, uh, grain company here in America, they investigated his field, um, so on his private property for a start, and found a genetically modified um, 
plant, let's say, and they could identify it as theirs, and they sued him. And right, pretty much, right. you know, all his money, he'd been in the business 20, 30 years, real family farmer, because he was unlawfully growing their seeds. Their seed, which is copyrighted or whatever, yeah. or something. which has yeah. clearly come from the back of a truck, going to someone else's. He wasn't growing fields of this stuff. They found, no, they no. found bits of it. So when he obviously, you know, Monsanto, multi-billion dollar company, um, took him to court and he lost everything. So, you know, local farmers are afraid yeah. as well, because yeah. if they don't conform to this, this way, then, well, then they're just going to go out of business. Right. So, um, oh, and the thing that, it, so this movie actually inspired me then to go to my local's farmer, farmer's market, which I do bought vegetables at anyway. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm like going up to the egg dealers and saying, how are your chickens treated? I'm like, I'm specifically, it was, it was kind of inspired me. I felt like some sort of radical. <laughs> uh, Burn your bra. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was going to go there. Thanks for going there for me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, how are your chickens treated? And it, it felt good actually to say, yeah. to, to find out, how, and then I was asking the beef grower mm -hmm. uh, again, where, you know, how are the cows treated, da, 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 da. So I think that we almost have to, if, you, if it's important to you, you have to sort of find sources where you feel comfortable about it. And, mm -hmm. and I guess I'm at the point where I, I think health-wise I'm going, to, for me, eating some meat is my choice. Mm -hmm. So now I need to go and find those sources that I feel comfortable yeah. enough. So. Yeah, and I think I, I was exactly the same. I, it's not like, I never once said, oh, I want to be a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I guess for me, it came from when I was traveling uh, a lot in uh, around the world, and their meat, um, you would cook it and it would either not smell right, or I would know a lot of people that got sick. Um, I also got food poisoning a few times from eating the meat, so it was kind of enough to stop putting me off yeah. meat. Um, and then, you know, when I came here, and started learning about how you know they're treated with antibiotics, um, and and obviously that stays in the tissue, mm -hmm. so that when you eat it, you're eating antibiotics along with now the genetically modified food um, that they're being fed. So even though the animal isn't genetically modified, you know you are what you eat. I'm not saying that everyone's going to become a horse um, or a cow. They can start growing corn stalks. But you know if you're being fed genetically modified. Uh, food and that's what the tissue you know we, we work so much here about how in self-healing you know you, you want to have the prime environment in your body um, in particular with the eye you know we want to give the eye the best nutrients possible that's why we talk about juicing and eating healthy foods is because you want the best materials now if your body is trying to make materials out of you know genetically modified corn mm -hmm. um, you know and just low-grade meat you know, if they're not, if the animals aren't eating the nutrients, then the meat that you're eating has less nutrients right. in it. It's just common sense. So I think for me, I sort of, and I, both Richard and I are pretty big uh, meat eaters. I've always been a meat eater, and you know, I would yeah. never say I'm a vegetarian, and I'd never say to someone that you have to be a vegetarian. Right. Um, so, but I think a big thing here, and, and what we like so much about this being in the news now, is hopefully it's going to open a little bit more people's eyes into uh, the food industry and and how as the consumer we need to start asking a few more questions and it's sad but you have to put in a bit more effort to discover where your food is coming from um, how maybe those farmers are treating that meat 
and you know just just find a little bit more information about it. And that's the advantage of a farmer's market. You can actually talk to someone mm -hmm. who's seen the conditions directly. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, we're very spoiled here in San Francisco because we, we have lots of farmers markets. Uh, it's very easy to get one. Um, we've got a great climate here. I, I know in the UK it's a little bit more difficult to find a farmers market, but I'm sure if you look for it or for a local dealer, then then you will find it. Or maybe you go to your local butcher instead of the supermarket. Right. You know, we, we sort, we've stopped doing that. Yeah. Um, and they might know a little bit more about the meat. You know, if you went to the till and ask the woman in, in a supermarket about where did the meat come from. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I even do it in restaurants and uh, people don't, they give you a very blank look. Mm -hmm. uh, even when you ask, you know, what country did the meat come from? Um, and, you know, it's yeah. difficult. Well, and one of the things we discovered, or I discovered in my recent research, is this organic versus grass-fed. Okay, yeah, I'd never heard about that. No, and um, what I found was the grass-fed title can be can be uh, kind of gray, so that the, you know okay. they don't have to be out their entire lives to be considered grass-fed. Oh, okay. So to be really precise and to get be ensured that you have the best quality meat, it is better to ask for organic. Mm -hmm. And I know the grass-fed thing is very common now. Right. Uh, it's a buzzword, right? The same yeah. as natural. You can have they. Yeah. You're allowed to put natural on food. It doesn't mean it's organic. Again, it's. It's getting the consumer to think, oh, new, new, uh, natural, organic, same thing. Yeah. Um, and they, I think they're trying to ban that now that to say natural or it has to at least fit a certain criteria Right. Um, to do that. But I guess talking about the grey area, I also think about it with um, same thing as salmon, um, you know, farm salmon. I was all for, you know, cheaper meat and uh, salmon, you know, I, I do like salmon. Yeah. Uh, but then I found out that farm salmon isn't actually pink. They have to feed it uh, pills in order for the skin to turn pink. So, so knowing that was enough to put me off eating it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to eat something that has had to have a eaten a pill to change its skin color. <laughs> well, just, and then just they, yeah, and then they have to feed them, I think, antibiotics or something because they're in such close proximity. Right. The real problem with farm fish is the diseases that they get in being farmed, right. and then those diseases spread to the, to the live salmon as well, huh. so it's, it's not good, <laughs> not good anyway. So we're, we're, we're really not trying to, uh, to put everyone off me, I guess what we're saying here is that you can, um, the big argument here as well, it's too expensive, you know, right. the nice meat is, is too, or the good meat, you know, there used to be a time when that was the standard, so we need to maybe look at what what went wrong there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what we've done now is we've not stopped eating meat, but we've cut down on it. Mm -hmm. And then instead of, you know, buying five lots of cheaper meat, I would maybe buy two lots of nice meat. Right. And basically, you're going to have to erase this concept of the eight ounce or the 12 ounce steak mm -hmm. and think more of like the what you can fit in the palm of your hand. That's mm -hmm. a good way of like four ounces of meat is plenty. Four ounces of salmon, four ounces of uh, hamburger four ounces of steak. Yeah, that's a good point. And so if you're used to eating eight ounces, that uh, now you can eat four ounces, you can pay twice as much mm -hmm. and your bill won't go up. That's true. Yeah. And then just if you say, well, that wouldn't fill me up, then, you know, more vegetables. Right. Um, you know, in order to to do that. So, uh, okay, great. Well, just uh, just a, a short introduction there um, and just a bit of a, a roundup. We wanted to really try and address 
at this horse meat mm -hmm. uh, issue and uh, maybe just to start thinking about it a little bit more and uh, if it's left you feeling a little bit hoarse then I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get at least one horse joke. Well, uh, the other thing that I, I forgot to tell the story of is that when I was in Japan, I was traveling through Japan and staying at these uh, uh, onsens, which are these spas essentially, and they're feeding mm -hmm. you these dr uh, art, uh, dramatic, huge kaseki banquets, these giant meals, and one day they they offered us horse sashimi as this prized thing. So they should have, in Europe, they should have said, well, this is in Japan, this is a delicacy. We're just... Yeah, and I guess that's the thing, is we're not necessarily saying horse meat is bad. I think it's it's just scary that we don't know what right. we're eating. Exactly, that's the real issue, yeah. is that we're being given something we and don't know. Even if it's not claimed as, as having horse meat in it, uh, DNA, if it's got less than 1%, then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't have to report it. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I think that's a good time to move on to question of the week. And the question of the week this week is, should I be closing my eyes during the stunning eye exercise? And this came uh, a question through uh, YouTube, somebody that just uh, found the exercises, uh, looking at some, some amblyopia exercises, and uh, really wanted to know, know a little bit more about the sunning exercise. And um, this is kind of a, a frequent question. Yeah, and uh, it's, a, we get. It freaks, it's a freaky question for us too, because we really don't want people yeah. having their eyes open. It's yeah. a little scary when people ask this question to us. Yeah, so I guess the, the straight out answer is definitely, definitely, uh, if you're sunning, meaning that your head is tilted up towards the sun um, and you're moving your head to side to side that you need to make sure you must, must, must have your eyes closed. Right. 100% um, always. Yeah. Um, and the, the, having the eyelids closed is, is protecting your eyes from any UV damage or anything like that if anyone is, is concerned about that from what they've heard right. uh, in the reports. Um, we also, we've had some people talk about sun gazing which right. is an, an Ayurvedic approach that they've been doing for thousands of years, um, but that is that is looking at the sun with the eyes open. I think that's more sunrise, right, and sunset. Exactly. And I think maybe people have misunderstood that. Um, but we're going to go ahead and, and and just say to be on the safe side, um, have the eyes uh, closed uh, when you're doing the sunning eye exercise. And maybe people are getting confused with the skying exercise. Oh, it could be. Which is where the skying is when you don't have any sun. Um, those uh, UK residents <laughs> and Seattle residents. Yeah, that's why I'm in uh, California right now. Um, that don't have sunshine uh, often. Then um, you can sort of look up towards the clouds and you can just blink very rapidly and turn your head from side to side. And at least you're still getting um, the benefits that you get from the sun and you're also constricting and dilating the pupil. So you're still exercising the eyes and still getting the benefits from the exercise. Right, so in, and in general, we are worried about your retina coming into mm -hmm. direct contact with the light from yeah. the sun. So it's, it's common sense. And uh, if you want to do the sun gazing thing, we, we, we wash our hands with you. You can do that, but uh, and you're in, uh, we, we, we would not encourage that at all. Um, so, but the sun, the skying works as well, and the blinking, so if you want mm -hmm. to do that, just look at our videos on that, and uh, you'll figure out how to do it. And you, if, you could actually sky also, when you, if the sun were out and you wanted to face the northern sky, 
blue sky, you could do it then too. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why you would do that actually. So, yeah. 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 Sunning does feel so good and, and everybody really enjoys the sunning exercise, even if you're somebody that isn't necessarily looking to improve your eyesight, the sunning exercise is right. it's just a fantastic one for everyone. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you want to find out a little bit more uh, about eye exercises, then head over to our website at envisionselfhealing.com and uh, you can check out some conditions and some, uh, some exercises that you can do over there. You can also find a lot more of our blogs in the blog section uh, on our webpage. And uh, indeed, you can uh, check us out on Facebook. Just look at Envision Self Healing on Facebook and you'll find us there and we'll stick up, uh, we stick up regular pictures and updates and whatnot and, and how we're getting on. I don't know how we're going to get a picture of a horse uh, for this week's podcast, oh, we'll have to, uh, oh, have to think about that. Oh, one. all right, that would be good. <laughs> I'll work on that. And you can also check uh, both Richard and I out on Twitter. Uh, we regularly uh, update there and uh, give out some tips on Twitter and how we're getting on. And uh, again, if you haven't checked it out already, the modern day guide for improving eyesight will give you a little bit more information on how our eyes naturally function and indeed how our modern day world could be affecting that or how uh, we can use exercises to help get that strength back to start improving our eyesight and indeed maintain our vision. Okay, great. Well, good luck with your eye exercises, everybody, this week, and happy healing. And have a good week. <laughs>